Our guest today is one of the foremost experts on medicinal mushrooms, Mark Kaler. Now, he explores in depth a diverse array of healing practices and traditions from around the world, from a Cherokee reservation to the Amazon rainforest to the mountains in China. His studies have led him to develop a truly holistic approach and in the areas of health and healing, incorporating many traditions, styles, and modalities. Now, he works to encourage, nourish, and bring forth an individual's innate healing abilities and to encourage individuals towards discovering their own path to radiant health. Now, he has worked and consulted in the natural foods industry for close to 40 years as a leading holistic health educator, formulator, radio show host and guest, and author. Today, we talk about medicinal mushrooms. How can you tell if you are getting the real deal to... Also, the amazing popularity of mushroom coffees. Are they medicinal or are they just marketing? Well, let's welcome our esteemed guest holistic health expert, Mark Kaler, to the show. Welcome, Mark. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a while since you've been on the show, and uh, but it seems like a lot of things have changed in the areas of, areas of medicinal mush, mushrooms and growing practices, but... For you, how long have you been studying medicinal mushrooms? Uh, pretty much as long as I've been involved in the natural products industry. I, I think one of the things that always piqued my interest with natural remedies in general was their what I call their tonic effects. It's wonderful to have these remedies that can help with blood pressure or serious disorders or anxiety and sleep. But for me, uh, I've always looked for those type of remedies that can make me a better me. You know, maybe help me live a little longer. Uh, live a little longer with a better quality and vitality of life. Uh, and mushrooms very much fit into that category. While they have all these wonderful other benefits, I also like the fact that they really just enhance the overall organism. So uh, not to date myself, which you already did, the four decades of being in the industry, uh, I pretty much worked with mushrooms throughout that whole process. So they've been a, a big part of, of my life, my lifestyle, as well as my practice. Well, you know, there are so many medicinal mushrooms out there. Uh, and just to kind of like name a few, there's mataki, there's reishi and shiitake, there's lion's mane, there's cordyceps. Uh, the list goes on. Um, how many varieties are there of medicinal mushrooms? And for the viewer out there, uh, I get a lot of questions. They ask me, are they all the same? Yeah, the, the number, that's a, a good question. Uh, the reality is we only know of about 14,000 different fungi have only been discovered. It's estimated that there are probably 10 times or more. Some of you even said maybe 100 times more than that. So there's a lot more out there that we just haven't even discovered. And many of them probably have medicinal value to them. Uh, ones that we know of that we've actually even researched, there are literally hundreds. There have been like 400 that have been shown to have some sort of anti-cancer, anti-tumor action to them. Uh, and then there's, you know, five or 600 that have been shown to benefit the immune system in one way or another. So we're literally talking about hundreds that we know of now and possibly thousands that we, we haven't heard of uh, that have yet to be discovered. Well, when, when the consumer walks into a natural food store and they see all of these different medicinal mushrooms in a capsule or a tablet form, um, how do they know which one to use. I mean, because, you know, we see probably upwards to maybe what, uh, at least six different varieties on a store shelf. And then the consumer standing there, how do they know which one to pick? 
Yeah, that that's probably the most difficult question when it comes to mushrooms. So I'm really glad that you asked me that question. Um, the re reality is there are lots of overlap to them. They all seem to have immune benefits. They all seem to have cardiovascular benefits. All of them are antioxidants. For the most part, all of them have some sort of anti-inflammatory actions. So the nice thing is you can't go wrong. You could pick any of them. It may not be the best one for what you want, but it's still probably going to be beneficial and good for you. But the best way to find out is just, you know, know them. I mean, find out about them, read about them, and, and then start delineating, you know. I mean, find out which ones target certain cells or certain systems in the body a little more. And you can kind of fine-tune it that way. But that's the question that always comes up is, I see all these mushrooms. You know, there are six probably in a health food store. There are 10 or 12 that are commonly used in the natural products industry. And, it, it yeah, it, it's confusing. I, I admit it. It's very confusing. How do I tell which one to do? But, you know, read, study, you know, find out which one works best for you. Uh, intuition, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in, you know, kind of knowing sometimes what we need to be using and taking. Uh, but, you know, doing the research. Uh, I'm a big fan of independent health food stores because you get better quality of service oftentimes there. Talk to the staff, find out the nuances and things there uh, and, and work with them. But, you know, the bottom line is you can't go wrong to a large degree for the most part. You know, and I guess really what the top three uh, immune um... I guess I guess we can say immune enhancing or or immune correcting, uh, so to speak. But um, mataki, reishi, and shiitake would those be the top three for immune function? Yeah, I'd probably show, throw turkey tail or coriolis mushroom in there. Um, not as well known here in the West, but is actually one of the best researched natural remedies that are out there. Not just one of the best researched mushrooms; it's one of the best researched natural remedies. And the reason for that is because in Asia there are three licensed pharmaceuticals that derive from uh, the Coriolis mushroom. So there are hundreds of studies uh, on the turkey tail. So yeah, turkey tail, shiitake, reishi, maitake. You know, now I'm, I'm going to confuse, you know, yeah, you could throw in, you know, even lion's mane, you could throw in a lot of them. Uh, they all have these immune benefits, but those three or four are probably at the, at the top as far as immune benefits. Yeah, and I know that you brought up their uh, anti-cancer, their anti-tumor, uh, activity, and I believe that probably Mataki, uh, known as the, I guess, what, the king of mushrooms or the dancing mushroom, seems to be leading uh, the way in the areas of cancer research. Am I correct on that? Yeah, there was actually uh, two comparative studies that were done comparing the Mataki, and particularly the Mataki defraction to other mushrooms and specific other mushroom extracts. Uh, they found that it had the strongest anti-tumor action to it. Um, it had the strongest immune benefit, the strongest boosting of immune cells, so more macrophage, more uh, T cells, more natural killer cells. Uh, so maitake really, I think, does stand out as probably the strongest for, you know, activating the immune system, really getting it kicked in so it can do the job that it's meant to do. And, uh, and I think it's been a while since I've read some of the research on maitake, but isn't that one in particular, and possibly with reishi and even shiitake, of uh, maybe helping improve the function of chemotherapy if people want to add that to their regimen? Yeah, this is another area that I guess confuses people, but pretty much all the mushrooms that are in common use can actually improve uh, uh, chemotherapy and radiation treatments. Uh, a nice addition is that it can also decrease the negative side effects of these treatments, which we know can be quite harsh. Uh, Maitake itself has been shown to enhance three or four of the leading chemo agents, uh, decrease the negative side effects, the hair loss, the pain, the nausea, the vomiting, uh, decreases in red and white blood cells. So the physiological as well as those more expressive side effects. I mean, that alone to me makes it a wonderful remedy. 
Uh, and then depending on what therapy you're using, it may actually potentiate that therapy, you know, making that therapy work better. And there's some evidence to suggest, and you would always have to work this out with your practitioners, that using these things in conjunction with conventional treatment allows for a lower dose of some of these conventional, very harsh treatments. And that could be huge. You know, if you can cut back the amount of radiation or the amount of chemo you have to take in order to get those same benefits, that can profoundly impact, you know, the quality of your life and as well as the expression of those side effects. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the research on medicinal mushrooms is literally mind-blowing. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, like Mark said, do some research. You will be absolutely amazed what you find and what you read. Uh, let me ask you this other question when it came, and I'll just use Mataki as an example, and then you can correct me along the way here. Uh, in the areas of chemotherapy, and I've talked to other experts in this area that uh, if somebody's using chemotherapy for fighting cancer, it usually targets the, the fast growing cells first. And then it's usually you have two to three percent of those cells that are slow growing, but those are the ones that you really have to go after because they'll start replicating uh, again. Um, does Mataki, as an example, maybe even Rishi or Shataki, uh, prevent uh, these cancer cells from becoming chemo resistant? Yeah, there's evidence to suggest that right now it's just animal studies. So there's potential that it may be doing that. Basically, I think what it's going to do is it's going to help your body respond to whatever that therapy or treatment is uh, and respond to it in a more positive manner without a lot of the negative consequences. At the same time, though, it's going to activate your immune system. So your immune system is doing what it was, you know, hopefully doing in the beginning, you know, in, in fighting off, trying to find these cells, eliminate these cells from the body. So, you know, it works with those treatments as well as working directly on its own. And Maitake is a good example of that. Uh, it used to be, and I can remember going to a conference a number of years ago where the practitioner got on stage and said, oh, all these mushrooms do is boost your immune system. They don't have any direct anti-cancer actions to them. Now we know that's a bunch of malarkey. There was a study done with the maitake, and particularly the maitake defraction. Uh, a researcher in Argentina, I don't know how she found out about it, but she started doing this research, and she found out that it actually induced a number of, of genetic changes in cancer cells that led to cancer cell death. So we now are seeing that it is interacting directly with these cells uh, and causing them to uh, basically commit cell suicide. Yeah, apoptosis. Um, apoptosis. Now, I want to be really clear. I am by no means claiming that maitake or any of these other mushrooms are a cure for cancer. Uh, cancer is a, a very difficult, deep-seated, it's a holistic treatment. And I think we get off base sometimes. You know, we talk about lung cancer, we talk about breast cancer, and we think about just the lungs and we talk about the breast. Cancer is a systemic disorder. It may manifest in a certain part of the body, but it's really the whole body that has this condition and needs to be dealt with. Uh, and again, that's why I think mushrooms fit the bill so nicely as part of a really a holistic approach to this. Now, I know that there is a there's a medicinal mushroom that a lot of people do not know about, especially women. Um, is it pronounced uh, Meshima? Meshima. And what is that one actually used for? Yeah, that's also used for immune system in a comparative study that ranked in the top three as far as the mushroom's ability to boost immune response. In another study, it ranked number one. Now, maitake wasn't in that study, but, you know, it's up there at the top as far as boosting the body's immune response. It seems to have a particular affinity for breast tissue, for breast cancer in particular. Um, and it works very, again, w when you think about trying to create a remedy for breast cancer, let's say, 
and you would make a list of 10 things you would want that remedy do, I would argue that Mishima probably does eight of those 10 things. That's the amazing things about this. You know, we Western medicine, very linear in their approach to things. They turn things off, they turn things on, they kill things, that type of approach. Mushrooms often contain hundreds of active compounds, so it's literally like taking hundreds of drugs, so to speak. They can have hundreds of different actions. They can work on a number of different pathways. They can work on preventing the creation of new blood vessels to the cancer cell. Uh, they can affect whether these cells can reproduce. They affect whether they can spread in the body, whether they can implant in other places in the body. Because they have so many different constituents in there, it allows them to have this fuller range of benefits. And again, another wonderful benefit of natural remedies. I, it, it's, I, I love you know doing the research on this stuff is just incredible because it's just like one gift after another when you start exploring it. Yeah, it, it is so much so. Uh, and I know with, uh, and you bring, you brought something up. Uh, so many people look at medicinal mushrooms as immune boosters, but we have, uh, you know, there's millions of people across the U.S. that have autoimmune conditions where the immune system is overactive, so to speak, and it can be overactive to uh, one particular part of the body. Uh, can they use medicinal mushrooms at all? Yeah, the the idea that they're immune boosters, I think that's too loosely and not well-defined terminology, so to speak. Most of these mushrooms are called immunomodulators, meaning they balance the immune system. They calm overactivity, they stimulate underactivity. The one exception to that rule, in my opinion, would probably be chaga. Chaga is a more stimulating uh, mushroom. It's one I would only use if you're really trying to kick in the immune system. It's also the only mushroom I would probably keep the dosing in, you know, the suggested dosing. Shiitake, reishi, maitake, you know, go crazy with those things. It's kind of hard to overdo them. Chaga would be the, the exception of that rule. So they even modulate the immune system. But the single best uh, mushroom, I think, for autoimmune disorders is reishi. Reishi is fundamentally about balance. Balance of the immune system, balance of basically every system and organ in the body, uh, balance of the mind, balance of the body, balance of the spirit. Reishi is all about balance. And it's been shown to be useful in autoimmune disorders, you know, even simple things, allergies. We don't tend to think of allergies as an autoimmune disorder. Basically, that's what they are. They're an overreaction of the immune system. So Reishi has a number of clinical studies shown to be beneficial in that regard. So Reishi is my number one for autoimmune disorders. But again, particularly with autoimmune disorders, you know, always check with your practitioners, you know, go into it, you know, with their support, their knowledge and work into them gradually. Mark, I'm so glad I brought you on, on the show today because you are a wealth of knowledge. And ladies and gentlemen, I know you're trying to write all this down. <laughs> so, but I want to ask you something because, and this is one of the reasons why I brought you on, uh, because I, I personally know how to read a mushroom uh, supplement label. But there has been such a great surge of people using medicinal mushrooms in a supplement form, but many are... Well, many of the supplements I've been seeing, they're very low. They have uh, very low value in the areas of medicinal properties. Uh, and I also know too, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say this quickly and you need to understand something. There's a difference between walking into a natural health store and then buying uh, supplements on Amazon. The majority of the ones on Amazon are unregulated. Okay. They're not answering to anybody. And anything can be found in those supplements because most of the labels are the companies, so-called companies that you see like on Amazon. Um, 
they're created overnight. They have no history whatsoever when it comes to making nutritional supplements and you don't know what you're getting. Uh, but Mark, uh, can you explain the current growing practices versus wildcrafted mushrooms? I, for one, will not buy a mushroom product grown on grain. Yeah, you start off a really good point. There's a big difference qualitatively between the mushroom products that are out there. You know, if you go into a health food store and buy vitamin C, ascorbic acid, six to one, half a dozen another, you know, they're all good companies that are producing good products. They're pretty much the same thing. Unfortunately, that's not the case in the mushroom category. And this was confirmed with a study that was done, independent study, no company involved in this. I think about three years ago, they took 19 products off the store shelves and off of Amazon, and they used reishi mushroom products. They analyzed them, and this is the disturbing part. Five of them had reishi in them. Unfortunately, the number one selling reishi product didn't show any reishi in the product itself. So that really is a strong indicator that you need to know your source, you need to make sure you're getting what you wanna be getting. And that leads into what you're talking about. It's really important when you look at mushrooms uh, to know something about the growing process. And we're, I'll simplify a little bit. Um, there's basically two parts of the mushroom or the fungus that we're, t we're dealing with. One would be the root structure, which is known as the mycelium. It's a very, very fine filament, can go on for literally miles and miles with some mushrooms. Uh, in fact, the second largest organism on the planet is a mushroom that covers, you know, acres and acres of territory because that mycelium grows all over the place. Uh, and then there's a fruiting body, and that's what we think of. When you picture a mushroom, what do you picture? You know, the little stem with a little cap on it, that's the fruiting body. That's the part that's been used traditionally for literally hundreds, you know, if not thousands of years. Big difference between those two. You talked about how they're grown, what they're grown on. So if you're using a mycelium-based product, and they have to state, you know, mycelium on the label. So make sure you go to the back and read the supplement facts. It has to say mycelium on it. In order to do a mycelium product, you have to grow it on something that is edible because you cannot separate that fine, you know, thread-like filament from whatever you're growing it on. So they grow it on grains. Now, the first question I would ask people, what mushrooms grow on grain? Reishi doesn't, agaricus doesn't, shiitake doesn't. I mean, we can go across the board. Cordyceps doesn't. Cordyceps grows on a caterpillar of all things. So, you know, growing them on a grain, first of all, I think changes the constituents, the activity of it. Uh, chaga being a really good example of that. Chaga is a mushroom that grows on birch trees. It gets a key compound in there, betulinic acid or betulin from the birch trees. If you're growing it on grain, you're not getting any of that betulin or betulinic acid. So nutritionally, as far as the constituents go, there's a huge difference there. I would argue there's energetic differences. Uh, when they're growing them on mycelium, they're generally growing them in sterile hothouse environments. Um, and again, I'll use people as an example here. You know, you raise a kid in a bubble and, you know, there's no resilience. There's no vitality. You know, there's no immune system that's been built up. And the same thing happens with mushrooms. They need to be taxed. They need to be stressed. They need to be strained. So they want weather changes. They want, you know, temperature changes, humidity, not humidity, you know, all those types of things to interact with. So they become strong and resilient. And you do that when you grow them, first of all, in a way that mirrors how they grow in their natural habitat. Uh, in fact, mushroom wisdom, the way they grow their mushrooms, they grow them literally in thatched huts. The idea is to mirror how they grow, you know, in the wild, in the forest themselves, if it's not a wildcrafted mushroom. Uh, and using the fruiting body, these are what's been used for hundreds of years. So if you're going to apply all that, you know, wisdom to it, you need to be using the fruiting body. It allows you then to grow it on their natural food source. 
uh, whether it be logs, whether it be sawdust, because uh, that's their natural food sources. So what these mushrooms grow on tremendously impacts what you end up with a product and whether you end up with any of that actually in there. Uh, I mentioned one other study they looked at and they looked at these products that were grown on grain and they found out they were anywhere from 60 to 95 percent grain. Now, I ask you, people are listening, when you go into the health food store and buy a shiitake product, what are you looking to buy? Are you looking to buy rice or are you looking to buy shiitake mushroom? Well, uh, yeah, because I've seen the labels, you know, they'll say uh, mycelium and, you know, some of the labels will state uh, grown on rice, grown on oat. And I'm like, just throw this stuff in the trash because I'm like you, the label needs to say fruiting body. and more and more companies, um, I can only name one company that even says Fruiting Body. And and I'm not going to mention any names because I don't want to be negative against anybody. But there's another person out there, so-called foremost expert in medicinal mushrooms, who has his own product line, and it's all mycelium. Yep. And that is, well, that's being a fraud and a liar to the public. You may have all of the knowledge. But your product says otherwise. Technically, the, the FDA has actually defined what a mushroom is, and they define a mushroom as fruiting body. So I, if you're doing a mycelium product, you're technically not allowed to call it a mushroom. you got to call it a mushroom mycelium or just out-and-out out mycelium. So, uh, again, big differences. And the other thing I'll make a note on, there's two types of, of myceliums that you can use. And there is good research on certain mycelium, uh, turkey tail, Coriolis mushroom in particular. But what's important here is, as you know, it's not grown on grain. They grow it in a fermentation process. So you get nothing but the, the mycelium. So you get 100% mycelium or 100% mycelium extract. But that's not what's in the marketplace. What's in the marketplace are these products that are grown on these grains where you get the vast majority grain uh, and little, if any, of the actual fungi. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you just got one of the world's best uh, educations for free by hearing this information because you're going to need it to be armed when you walk into a natural health store and and pick out the right mushrooms. Uh, and there's something else, too, because I know that uh, the research on medicinal mushrooms, Mark, uh, is has gone so far beyond uh, things that we could have ever imagined. I mean... Like, well, and Mitaki is a perfect example. And you mentioned defraction. Uh, then there's SX fraction. Uh, explain why certain components of a medicinal mushroom may be extracted and why do they do that? You do that first and foremost so you get enough of those constituents in there to be active. And that's always been one of my pet peeves with the natural products industry is a lot of people do this fairy dusting. You know, they'll sprinkle a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And you look at these formulas, you know, like some of these green formulas, they'll have 157 ingredients in there. Well, how much of any of those ingredients are you actually getting in that actual product? Uh, so I want people to get, when you take a, you know, product, get the dose that the research suggests is necessary for the benefits that you're looking for. Cordyceps, you know, probably two to three gram equivalency. So you want to get that type of dosing uh, in, in that process. That makes all the difference in the world as far as, you know, what you're going to get the effects and, you know, what type of results you're going to get within the body. Yeah, I mean, it is the, the whole world of mushrooms is so vast. And, and, I, and I remember, oh, gosh, it's been a few years now where I had the opportunity to do an interview with uh, a 90 year old Japanese 
researcher uh, on lion's mane and um, and then uh, extracting certain components from lion's mane. Of course, you and I both know it's a, it's great for the nervous system. It's great for brain. But his research showed complete reverse. There was a couple of case studies that he shared with me, complete reversal of paranoid schizophrenia. And I was stunned. So, yeah. He- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I saw the interview with the, with the guy who the, the first guy that used this for schizophrenia. I, I tear up. I got goosebumps now just thinking about it. And I, you know, I've talked about it probably a hundred times. Uh, it, it's truly incredible. It gave people their lives back. And this gets to what your point that you were talking about. You need to get the active constituents, and you need to get them at levels that are going to be relevant in the body. That's why you do selective extracts. That's why you do the Maitake defraction. So you get enough of that specific beta-glucan that's going to boost the immune response. That's why you do the SX fraction. So you get enough of that proteoglycan so that it has that benefit for improving insulin sensitivity, lowering blood sugar, cardiovascular benefits. And with lion's mane, you get enough of these compounds, uh, amylobin and hericinones, they're going to do those things that you need to do in the brain. And lion's mane is another good example of that. Most of the lion's mane products out there are either just powder or they're uh, hot water extract. Those have some benefits. No doubt they have some benefits for the brain and other things in the body, immune system, cardiovascular system. But it's these non-water-soluble uh, compounds, uh, misinone, hericinone, that seem to have the most profound impact. They're able to cross the blood-brain barrier, stimulate something called nerve growth factor, stimulate something called brain-derived neurotrophy factor. Um, all of these things really basically enhance the overall functioning of the brain protect the brain, help alleviate certain concerns within the brain. Um, you need to make sure you're getting enough of those. That's what it's all about. Well, can people use things like lion's mane for, let's say, neuropathy? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, case in point, I used it with an individual. He came to me at a trade show. He was with another company that was exhibiting near us. Uh, he said he had surgery on his hand, uh, and they'd severed a nerve, and they basically said, hey, there's nothing we can do about it. Learn to use your other hand, right? So he had right-handed they severed it say learn to use your left hand i put him on the the lion's mane amylobin product i saw him six months later he's like oh i can move my hand it's moving around Uh, and gradually and gradually it got better and better after about two or three years he had full mobility with it so uh, very promising in that regard there are animal studies uh, that also confirm that it can help regenerate uh, these nerves and that's what nerve growth factor does basically creates new nerves uh, the BDNF, the brain-derived neurotrophic factor, basically is miracle growth for the nerves. So it's like, you know, you've just uh, turbocharged those nerves so they can do everything better of what they're supposed to be doing. So nerve injuries, nerve stresses, nerve strains, you know, as well as just overall enhancement of the nervous system in the brain. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I'm a big, big user of lion's mane. And... You know, because to me, it, you know, the, the nervous system alone is considered the slowest system to heal. It, it's the slowest to heal from an injury. Uh, it could be the slowest to uh, heal from, you know, some type of medical condition. But to know that we can spur on that nerve growth factor to give back what our body needs to regenerate is just phenomenal. Yes, definitely a slower process. I mean, just a few years ago, they said you can't regenerate nerves. You can't, you know, basically cause these things to regrow. Uh, Now we know, again, that's not true. And now we're seeing natural remedies uh, that fit into this mold. So, yeah, extraordinarily promising, but it does take more time. 
The nice thing, though, about that amylobin product, and I don't know if you've experienced yourself, it's the fastest-acting brain remedy I've ever used. And I like Ginkgo. I like Bacopa. Uh, I like, uh, you know, a number of other of these natural remedies for the brain. Uh, Ginkgo takes months for it really to be felt because, in my mind, it's more a cardiovascular remedy than it is a brain remedy. But within one to three days with the amylobin product, you know, better memory, better recall, sharper, quicker, those things tend to happen. Now, if you're talking about people with concerns, problems that have already infiltrated the brain, it takes a long time to, to reverse those processes because the, the nerves are slow to react, slow to rebuild and do those things. Uh, but about a month into it, people with concerns, I've noticed start seeing significant improvement, personalities coming back, memory starting coming back, you know, things that uh, you, you just we, we all take for granted and, until we start to lose them. Well, yeah, and, and I've used amylobin for years, and the, it was really funny because the biggest thing that I noticed is that it helps improve deep thought. You know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I want to take a, a brain supplement and um, make me smarter, um, but amylobin is on a different level. I mean, on I mean, you can't even compare it uh, on what it does because it, like you said, it targets the nervous system and it brings forth that nerve growth factor that we need. You know, I still think back about you know the the schizophrenic studies that that researcher did, and the the just, ladies and gentlemen, just to show you how powerful this is, went on one case study. So he had the the gentleman who had suffered, I mean, for over 30 years with paranoid schizophrenia, put him on the full dose of amylobin. And then in 30 days, 100% reversal of his uh, condition, of his symptoms. And then he said, well, okay, let's take you off of it so we can see what the lasting effects will be. And he said, oh, absolutely not. I got my life back. I now have a job and I am not going to stop taking this. And it shows it, it's an absolute one of the best world world's best testimonies on what a natural nutrient can do in one of the most difficult mental conditions. Even medical science can't improve paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, there is a condition that's associated with uh, schizophrenia. And I don't remember the actual name of it, but it's a condition that's a result of the pharmaceuticals that they give you to treat schizophrenia. So we're going to treat your schizophrenia at the same time. We're going to give you another disease, another condition. Uh, again, not the path I really want to be going with, you know, my healing path. Uh, it is truly remarkable. He went from basically not being able to work, not being able to interact with society, you know, kind of living in his parents' basement uh, for decades uh, and then went on this product got his life back. I mean, in the interview, even though it's in Japanese, he's laughing and joking. And he's, he started working in the psychiatrist's office that first recommended it to him. Uh, so truly profound benefits. And I think we're really at the tip of the iceberg when it comes to lion's mane and particularly the amylobin product, as far as what benefits it's going to be have. Because I think basically it makes your brain work better. And in any condition where you want your brain to work better, I think it probably may be useful. Uh, antidepressant, great for anxiety and sadly anxiety levels are going through the roof nowadays particularly with with kids i mean uh, the anxiety rate with teenagers and young adults just it just wounds my heart uh, so it's nice to have these remedies that have some clinical background to it you know evidence suggesting they may be beneficial for some of these things
And you said for anxiety, the reishi would be the one to go with? Well, lion's mane has been shown to be uh, anti-anxiolytic uh, as well as reishi. I like both of them for that. Um, reishi is nice because it can help improve sleep quality. So if you're under a lot of stress, whether it be depression, anxiety, or other things, sleep often tends to be a little disturbed, a poor quality. Reishi can help improve that overall quality. So I like reishi in that regard. Reishi is, in Chinese medicine, it's called a chin tonic. Chin is the emotional center of the body. So when we say someone has a broken heart, we're not talking about that four-chambered organ in their chest, right? We're talking about that emotional center. Reishi nourishes and protects that shen centered. So any sort of shen disturbance, you know, anxiety certainly would be a major of it. Stress is a major element of it. Uh, and again, clinical studies back this up. So that, that makes to me reishi like probably the number one remedy for today is just the fact that it can nourish that shen center for us. Uh, wonderful. And that's why, you know, a lot of people who are in the meditation or yoga or spiritual practices would use reishi in conjunction with it because it helps us, you know, fine tune to that center of the body. Man, I think I may have to start uh, uh, adding more reishi uh, to my daily regimen. Man, I, I would I would absolutely love that. And I can't imagine it must be a great combination with the lion's mane. Yeah, I think they combine really well. And that's the nice thing when you start putting these things together. You can really fine tune them to do some really specifics. Uh, in fact, my favorite combo, if someone says, I want to do a supplement routine, I don't want to take a lot of different things. But I just want to overall enhance my vitality, my immune system, just overall health. Uh, I start your day with cordyceps, end your day with reishi. Uh, cordyceps is about yang, fire, motivation, movement, you know, all that. You know, get that energy going in a healthy, balanced way, not in the caffeinated way that, unfortunately, we tend to turn to. And then reishi, calm, soothing, balancing, relaxing. Uh, it's a tonic detoxifier, so it does all those things that you're looking for at the end of the day, so you don't have to reach for that, you know, glass of wine. Uh, you know, or other things that people use oftentimes to comment at the end of the day. It's a wonderful combination that will hit every cell in your body, every system in your body, uh, as well as the organism as a whole. Wow. I mean, um, I'm trying to think. Well, yeah, you mentioned cordyceps. For me, the best motivating mushroom there is is chaga. And I mean, I love chaga. And I have to be careful, like you said. You really want to be careful on the dosing because a little bit is great. And then sometimes if you feel, and I've done this before, where maybe you've taken too much chaga, it's more like after you've cleaned the house, you want to go outside and paint it. Yeah, I call chaga a constitutional strengthener. It just strengthens the body uh, as a whole. And it was used traditionally hunters when they were going out for on a hunt for two or three days. You know, they didn't have these, you know, fat, you know, these foods that freeze dried that they can take with them like we can now, you know, ready to eat meals. You know, what they carried, you know, they were limited to what they could carry and it wasn't a lot. So they would take chaga because it would keep those energy levels up, that resilience up, you know, that strength up while they were out for two or three days. So traditionally used that way. And uh, again, personal experience of mine as well says it is that good constitutional strengthener. Man, I love that. Now, I have been seeing more and more about these mushroom uh, coffee products on the market, but all the ones that I see use mushrooms grown on grain, so it's the mycelium that is inferior to the wild-crafted type. Uh, what have you seen in the areas of these mushroom coffees? Because I know a lot of them seem to be combined with conventional coffee. Yeah, well, you know, we know coffee has some benefits, you know, cardiovascular benefits, anti-inflammatory, antioxidants. I think coffee has some good things to it as long as we don't abuse it, which is obviously the tendency in our society. Um, but 
there are two concerns I have with the coffee mushroom products. First is, as you mentioned, a lot of them use the mycelium product. Uh, you're not getting mushroom. I'm, I'm not sure really what the point is in that other than pure marketing. Uh, and the other uh, issue I have with the vast majority of them, at least the ones I've seen, now there may be some good ones out there, they just don't put enough in there. They don't give you that dose level that you're looking for. And the reason they don't is you're not going to drink a cup of coffee that's going to cost you three or four bucks at home. You'll pay it, you know, at a Starbucks or something, but you're not going to pay that in a powder. So you end up oftentimes with so little uh, you know, of those active constituents in there that I'm not sure how really relevant they are. Now, again, somebody may be putting therapeutic doses in there, but I just haven't seen that product. So now, I have more concerns. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and I've seen uh, some very big names uh, creating these uh, mushroom coffees, but I've read the labels and I'm like, you're fooling the public. You're not being honest. And like you said, if you were to, to put in real mushroom content in a mushroom coffee and really put in the right dose, I don't think most people would be able to afford to, to drink it every day. Yeah, the other issue too is taste. Depending on the mushroom, some mushrooms taste really good, obviously. Reishi's a bitter mushroom. Chaga is a bitter mushroom. You really want to be making your coffee, which is already tending to bitterness, even more bitter. Uh, so what they end up doing is they do a poor extract of it, they do, you know, not enough of it for any consequential benefit uh, because they can't, you know, turn people off from the taste. It, it's just, you know, marketing, marketing, marketing. Anytime you see a product come out and within, you know, a year, everybody is doing it. I tend to walk away from those products. I agree because it's watering down that uh, type of nutrient because there's only so much that can go around. And a, and a lot of people don't understand that herbs are grown uh, based on season, uh, they don't grow year round. Of course, if you have the environment, if you have the environment that you can create, like you said, grass huts or whatever, uh, to bring those uh, products uh, to pass on a regular basis. But we, you know, we live on a planet with eight billion people, and uh, I wouldn't say there's enough herb to go around for eight billion people. Yeah, chaga is a good example of that. Remember, chaga grows in cold environments, very cold environments, on birch trees. So not a lot of it available out there. It's a very slow-growing uh, material. So, uh, you know, yeah, it does raise lots of questions and concerns in that regard. Well, is there anything uh, new that you are researching now? Well, you know, uh, I'll give an example about how we've learned. You, you alluded to this earlier about how they do so many things that we didn't weren't aware of before. Maitake defraction, people know it for its immune benefits. Hey, it's good for the brain. They show they have shown it to be neuroprotective, uh, which uh, just kind of blew my mind. But then when you start thinking about it, it makes sense. Uh, the brain has these cells in there called glial cells. And just a few years ago, they thought the glial cells were kind of like the appendix used to be. It's there. We have no idea. You know, it's just there. But now we find out it's a very important part of the immune system in the brain. It cleans up all the gunk in the brain, all the residue. The, uh, the plaque buildup and those types of things. So it's really, really important. So I think what is happening here is first and foremost is it's boosting those glial cells. The other thing, and I think exciting across the whole mushroom category is we're finding out these are amazing prebiotic remedies. Uh, maybe some of the best prebiotics and prebiotics are things that feed the good bacteria in the gut. So we talked about lion's mane being good for the brain. We've seen it across the blood brain barrier. We know that. Some researchers have suggested, though, that the primary benefit for all the things that lion's mane does is because it's interacting with the mucosal cells in our digestive tract. 
So it's all as that prebiotic, it's all as that, you know, um, digestive system tonic, so to speak, that's now translating throughout the body to have these benefits. Uh, and we're seeing this across the board, tremella, shiitake, maitake, lion's mane, all of these things are truly incredible uh, prebiotics. And, you know, the research on probiotics is just going crazy right now. I can't think of a single condition that they haven't done some study showing that, you know, that pre or probiotics can be beneficial for it. Read a study yesterday for Alzheimer's. Uh, athletes, you know, has been showing benefit, muscle growth, recovery, things that we don't normally associate, you know, with little bacteria in our gut are having profound impacts systemically in the body. You know, there is, to me, there's not enough uh, information. And I know there's, there's pages and pages of information when it comes to probiotics. Um, I don't think the voices are loud enough when it comes to talking about probiotics because I still get the same questions on probiotics, Mark, where people are like, uh, so do I only take it if I'm taking an antibiotic? I'm like, yeah. no, you take it every single day. Because, yeah. the, you know, if your gut health is poor, the rest of the body is too, especially your immune system. Yeah, they're finding it's related to cardiovascular health. There are studies showing now that uh, that uh, the microbiome disturbances may have been related to people getting COVID and severity of COVID. Uh, we know it's related to stress and anxiety, you know, mental conditions, Alzheimer's, I mentioned, alluded to. Uh, we're skin conditions, uh, again, the healthy microbiome, the diversity of that microbiome really impacts every aspect of our body, every aspect. Uh, and we're finding out that it may be impactful one way or another in virtually every condition and every disease. Well, I know that you mentioned Tremella. Can you kind of give us a quick little uh, history and benefit on Tremella mushroom? Yeah, tremella mushroom is widely used in Asia. It's used a lot in Chinese cooking. It's known as white jelly leaf. It's a really cool-looking mushroom. It's kind of white, squiggly. It looks like it's made of jello, really. Uh, in traditional Chinese medicine, it's said to be a yin tonic. Yin tonics are about strengthening the, the structure of the body and bringing moisture to the body. So I like to use tremella for any sort of dry condition, um, dry hacking cough, dry skin. Uh, my wife uses it for dry eyes. She wears contacts. She used to always be putting drops in her eyes. Uh, she started taking Tremella. I don't even know if she has the, you know, the eye drops with her anymore. You know, so it helps bring moisture to the body. So anytime you need to bring moisture to the body, I think Tremella is a really wonderful remedy. You can take it internally. There are creams with it now that you can take and apply topically to help hydrate the skin. It's been shown to hydrate the skin better than hyaluronic acid, which is in virtually every cosmetic ingredient right now. Uh, it's a smaller molecule, so it can actually penetrate the skin, get a little deeper, and have you know probably more beneficial effects. Uh, for everyone watching and listening, is there a particular um, mushroom company uh, that you like to recommend? I like Mushroom Wisdom. Uh, I happen to be a fan of Mushroom Wisdom. Uh, I used to be vice president at Mushroom Wisdom. I do consult with them, so I want to be really clear. Um, that's not the reason I liked it. I have quit jobs, turned down jobs from companies who made inferior products. I just don't want to be associated with it. Uh, you know, uh, I can remember getting up doing a lecture on cancer years ago at a health food store in Florida, and it was a company that I was unsure about. And someone said, "Well, what product should I use?" And I couldn't recommend the product of a company that they sent me there to talk about. So at that point, I said, "I'm not doing this anymore. I'm only going to work with companies that I believe in. You know, that are going to give quality products." Uh, Mushroom Wisdom does fit that bill. And the other thing I like about them is they've gone out and done the research. 
you know, they do clinical studies. They've done clinicals on SX for type 2 diabetes. They've done the work with lion's mane amylobin for Alzheimer's, for, uh, you know, other mental disorders and things. So I like the fact that they're going out and expanding our knowledge as well as making good quality products. Yeah, amen to that. Now, where can people learn more about you and what you do? Uh, I have a website, radiohealthproject.com. Uh, they can go there. Um, my orientation, as you said in the bio, is really a holistic approach to things. Years and years ago, I actually started working in the HIV AIDS community in Chicago well before they had any sort of remedies or things for it. And we really approached it from a holistic point of view. There were counselors, body workers, herbalists, nutritionists, medical doctors. Uh, and that really led me to an approach where I think that's the best way to approach health and healing in general is let's look at everything. So, you know, when I was in practice, my first sit down with a patient, a client would be two to three hours because we talk about everything. You know, your childhood can impact your health now. You know, obviously what you're eating, you know, are you active? All those things have those impact. So I take a very holistic approach and that's what Radio Health Project is all about. Um, I'm hoping to turn it into a nonprofit so I can get this information out. Uh, the, the Western approach, while Western medicine has done some amazing things, I'll give it credit for lots of stuff. Um, it's not particularly good with these chronic diseases. Uh, they haven't been particularly good with longevity, which I have a personal concern with. Um, so I, I like this holistic approach. I want to get word out there. Uh, and this is my mechanism for it at this point. Man, Mark, I want to thank you so much for coming onto the program today. I mean, you have given us a wealth of knowledge that'll last a lifetime. And ladies and gentlemen, I really hope that you have enjoyed this information. And you, this is information. What Mark has brought here today is information that you can literally use right now. You can walk into a natural health store. If you're looking for a particular mushroom, you can turn that label around, read the back of it. And now you have more knowledge to make the right decision on which product to buy and which one will benefit you the most. And again, ladies and gentlemen, head over to RadiantHealthProject.com and to read many of Mark's articles and even listen to his podcast. Uh, any, any last words of encouragement you'd like to give us uh, today, Mark? Well, one thing I would add to what you were saying is not just live longer, but uh, not just well, live longer, you know, so that these things are not just about doing it the rest of your life. Hopefully they extend your lifespan and the quality of the lifespan. Again, the best thing I can say is take a holistic approach to these things. You know, look at your diet, get up and move. You don't have to go to the gym. Walking is one of the best things you can do for your body. Uh, relationships we know are extraordinarily important. Doing things for other people has profound impacts on our longevity, you know, and that doesn't get enough credit. So, you know, do what you can in as many areas as possible. Uh, you know, and I wish everybody a long, happy, a vital life. Hey, there you go. And ladies and gentlemen, it just comes down to easy words. You know, we reap what we sow so we can treat our human body with the very best and do what our body needs uh, well to have, well, quality of life, quantity of life, and we can have both at the exact same time. So head over to RadiantHealthProject.com to learn more about all of the work that Mark Kaler is doing. And as for me, ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you next time.